0: Hey, this is Johnny D from Doro. Pour yourself a nice cup of Java, kick back, and enjoy the rock and roll and coffee show.
1: show episode 38 i'm your host joe and this week's guest is pj farley now pj you might know from the rock band trickster he was the bass player in that band and is currently playing bass in raw and fozzy with chris jericho now pj is also doing a uh little uh, quarantine project which is called quarantine with chris jericho where they are doing uh like 80s Kiss covers. So that's something you should go check out. Now, most recently, he has released his second solo album called Accent the Change on high Vol music, which is a fantastic album. So I definitely recommend you also go check that one out. Now, if you're liking this show, please feel free to go follow us on Instagram or Facebook. You can find us at r Coffee Show. Also visit us on the web at www dot rnrcoffeeshow.com now let's give pj a call Hey, what's up pj how are you
0: what's up joe how are you
1: i'm doing good can you hear me okay
0: i can can you hear me
1: yeah man yeah you know with technology i never know what i'm gonna get
0: well, plus, you know, these, uh, I don't know what you're calling me on, but I have an iPhone and you know, they're good. They're great for everything except phone calls. So.
1: <laughs> right. Right.
0: One of these days they'll catch up.
1: Well, I'm calling you on my iPhone too, but I got my mic and everything hooked up. So hopefully I sound oh, okay. okay. How you doing?
0: Very good. Very good. Doing pretty good for the shape I'm in. you know.
1: Well, I mean, I've, I've seen pictures. You look like you're still in good shape.
0: <laughs> I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. You know, filters do a lot. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> you still up in New Jersey? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys got some snow up there yet or no?
0: No, I actually got a little bit of a quick flurrying last night, but that was it.
1: Well, you've been, uh, seems like you've been busy during this whole uh, COVID year, huh?
0: Yeah, I have. It. You know, obviously it's, uh, It's. I kind of feel a little bit guilty. <laughs> you know, I've, I've been busy and you kind of. You know, a lot's come of it, um, so yeah. But to answer your question, yeah, I've been, I have been busy somehow, miraculously. Yeah, um, not as busy as I would like, um, but a lot of things like bubbling. You know, but mm-hmm. uh, a good setup for next year.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now you released a uh, your new album, what a few months ago?
0: Yeah, the end of September.
1: Did you have um, plans to do something with that album? I'm assuming before COVID hit.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's obviously a, uh, um, a labor of love. So it's a kind of thing where it's like when I get the opportunity to do something, but yeah, definitely, you know, like I get a show in Jersey tomorrow, not tomorrow, Saturday night, you know, it's an acoustic show. So it's, you know, tables six feet apart, and you know, uh, you know, limited capacity of that whole nine. Pretty much the stuff that I've been doing since August with Eric Martin.
1: Uh huh.
0: I mean, really, I toured with Fozzie in the beginning of August, and that was the last time I was like, you know, in a you know a rock band, you know, full regular situation.
1: Yeah.
0: Out in the middle of America, um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully next year I can get a band together and do some shows i mean i'm gonna be busy next year with i have a record coming out with raw um i'll be busy with fozzy um busy with eric but i know i'll be able to get some time to do some shows supporting this record
1: Mm -hmm. well that's awesome we're going to get into all that um but what we do here on this show pj is i like to get start out with um kind of your beginning when you started playing music. Okay. I'd like to hear a little bit about that. What, Because um, you've been in music you're pretty much your whole life, correct? Mm-hmm. What, what age did you start playing an instrument?
0: I mean, I, th- I think I started playing drums when I was about six or seven. And I switched over to bass at age 11. And I was kind of, you know played a little guitar just you know and when i say play guitar i i would pick it up and i would play it you know i didn't study it i didn't practice it you know i just played it you know um so and i've done really that my whole life i still to this day i've never practiced guitar you know i just kind of get cocky and i i can write songs on guitar and you know i'm better now than i was but right you know I play guitar. I don't consider myself <laughs> a guitar player.
1: What um, did you have a musical family?
0: No, not really.
1: I mean, how? What got you into drums?
0: Uh, Kiss. Peter Chris. Yeah, uh, Peter Chris. Yeah. I mean, just the infatuation with Kiss was like, like I, once I saw Kiss, I was like, I mean, there's that was it. Everything else went away. Yeah. I'm like this is the only thing in my life from here on out like that was a no-brainer it consumed me took over uh and i didn't see anything else going on
1: yeah that that kind of got me too when i was young i remember uh i had the kiss Alive 2 record the vinyl record and i remember opening it up and this the whole stage in the middle and
0: yeah that's i mean gene simmons on
1: the back with blood coming out of his mouth
0: it did the one probably my favorite picture ever of gene
1: simmons it's an awesome picture
0: and i mean it's um and between Star Wars and KISS. Yeah. Two kind of larger than life things. Yeah, man. That's where I was headed.
1: <laughs> right, right. So you so you were playing drums for a little bit and then changed to the bass. Is that due to KISS also Gene?
0: No, that was due to the fact that I wanted to start a band with all my friends and I had I had friends that played guitar, that played drums, that you know, did everything but play bass. So I said, All right. Fuck it. I'll be the bass player.
1: <laughs> Someone's gotta Bye. do it.
0: I'll borrow somebody's bass or whatever, you know, and then I, you know, got a paper out and saved up enough money for my first bass, put a bass on layaway and uh it's like a hundred and twenty five dollar court. Court. White bass guitar, yeah. And uh <laughs> um, you know. Yeah. Best decision I ever made. Right, right. Sometimes it pays to suck it up and you know. For for the better of the band.
1: Yeah, my I I play bass also, and my first bass I think it was a Hurricane, and I cool. think it was from Sears. Cool. <laughs> I remember that thing. It was red. And Then I moved <laughs> up to a BC Rich Warlock. <laughs> me too. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> was it was it me. red? Candy apple red. Mine was
0: no no much like the white. I have this thing with white basses. Everything I have, every almost every bass I have is white. It's a white BC Rich Warlock. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. Um, So you were playing in bands, playing bass for a little bit, and then uh, you found Trickster, correct?
0: Yep, pretty much. Trickster found me, sort of. You know, I was in another band and we were playing the same all ages clubs on the same night, like pretty much every week. And, you know, they needed a new bass player. And, you know, we'd become friends, you know, just from seeing each other every week and i guess they realized that uh, i was the same height as them (laughs) and uh it'd be a good idea to get me in the band
1: was that was that uh pete steve and uh mark yeah okay so so that's what started the trickster as we know it
0: uh as you know yes
1: yeah 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 and then um you know i had mark on the show not too long ago and he was kind of telling a little bit of the story about it and I believe he was saying how you guys it didn't take long for you guys to get a deal. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. I mean, by the time I joined the band, it was inside of two years we had a record deal.
1: Yeah, that's quick. Yeah. And how old were you at that time? Because I remember back in the day when you guys came out, you were pretty young.
0: When I signed the record deal, I was 16.
1: Shit, man.
0: Yeah. um, Both Steve and I... I had to have our parents co-sign the record deal with us because we were underage. Steve was 17 still, and I was 16.
1: So Steve was young, too. Yeah. Wow. And then you went to California to record? Uh Uh-huh. And then I heard something about you got some credits or something for finishing that album or playing bass?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was going into my senior year of high school, and... I was instead of going to school, I was going out to California. So like you need a certain amount of credits to graduate. You need like phys ed credit and uh, was it a, um, was it an English class or math uh, credit? So I took a correspondence course for that, and they credited me. You know, they used recording and rehearsing and everything as physical and counted that as Jim. What? Yeah. And they, they, so I was able to graduate on stage with my class.
1: That's unbelievable. You got to be one of the luckiest people out there. You know, that's yeah. every kid's dream at that age. That's a musician.
0: Yeah, pretty much. It was, um, I, I'd i argue if I could. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, So what did your parents think of all this?
0: Very supportive. I mean, they knew. Uh, since from day one that I knew what I was doing. I think they were just happy that I had something I wanted to do. And, you know, I mean, shit, before before it was even, like, time for them to say, hey, kid, time to get a job, I already had a record deal. So, you know, it wasn't even time for them to have doubt. It was like, oh, he's got a hobby. Oh, and now a record deal.
1: (laughs) And then, I mean, you guys as soon as you came onto the scene, you pretty much took off with uh, Give It To Me Good. Yeah. I mean, there was yep. no no time wasted there, right? No, it caught on pretty quick. I'm jealous.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, you know, I if the, if the roles were reversed, I would be two men. It was a, <laughs> an excellent fucking time. And what a great time to be in a rock band.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: granted, it, it would have been more better it had we all come out of the womb earlier and started the band earlier right. and got it, got a couple more years out of it but you know at least this, this way we live to tell yeah. and um you know we got a gr- good taste of it you know and a sense of peace you know now when i'm uh sitting here and uh, you know, everyone's like oh, oh you know that was great back in the day and it's like yeah at least i had Back
1: in
0: the day -hmm. and and kind of grandfathered me in to be able to you know still be able to do it to this day sure you know that's not going to exist no none of these new bands nobody's going to get that kind of job security anymore it's like they're doomed yeah you know it just there's no longevity
1: yeah I, i was having that conversation with somebody the other day about that and uh you know, just the longevity of bands these days and just everything about it is totally different. I mean, you don't even, yeah. half the bands on the radio, I couldn't tell you one band member's name when yeah, back in the day see, I knew.
0: Look, you're not going to see it, uh, the stadium tour, you know, featuring, um, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of an example. but
1: Yeah, no, I hear you.
0: I mean, you know, you're just not. I mean, we, we were kind of like bands from that that hard rock and hairband era you know although we were you know some of us were cut short i i, I kind of think that we were all given severance packages to, you know yeah to where we were able to uh you know to like okay you will not be on mtv or you will not sell millions of records anymore but you will be able to go on and do this for the rest of your life if you choose
1: yeah yeah i mean you're not wrong there
0: and at least make a living you know, you're not going to be living in a mansion, but you'll make a living and you'll have to work for it. But at least you'll be able to do it.
1: Yeah. And that's awesome. Now, your first album, Trickster, when you recorded that, I got to say, you know, and I said the same thing to, uh, to Mark, the production on that I thought was just lacking. Do you feel yeah, that you're way? Not
0: alone. You're not alone in that. No, I mean, uh, it's also relative that record sounds much different than any record that was coming out of that era, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know? And I think there was a little bit, you know, on the producer side of it, you know, a little bit of a conscious effort to, you know, take it out of that big washed out, you know, snare drum and, you know, big, uh, you know, core, not choruses, but I mean, like Sonic, you Mm. know, um, mold, Mm -hmm. uh, and it kind of, I don't know, it hurt the record and it helped the record, I think. I think um, so. You know, Give It give it To Me Good was much more organic and homegrown than, you know, something like, uh, you know, anything that was coming out at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a big, ridiculous production. It was a, you know, so I think there was a conscious effort to make it sound like that, you know,
1: Hmm. you know, Mm -hmm.
0: live and learn, but you know, good thing is it was great songs. Yeah. No matter what, that's a living proof. If it's a great song, it don't matter what it sounds like.
1: Yeah. When that came out, I loved that album. And then, uh, you guys had kind of the flannel thing going on before it really hit.
0: Yeah, that was, uh, that was definitely us.
1: (laughs) Was that, was that you guys or was that, uh, did they oh, yeah. put you in those?
0: No, that was I, they tried to take us out of it.
1: Oh, geez. <laughs> we're like, Fuck no, man. Uh, uh, no. Yeah, yeah. We're doing this video, we're wearing what wear every
0: day. We're wearing wear on stage We're doing a normal video, you're, you're gonna film us hanging around town and doing what we do, riding dirt bikes, hanging out at the diner and you know, playing music it was very down to earth. I and mean, I think I think that's the attainability of it is we're connected with people. They're like, Oh fuck, this is, these dudes are just, you know, they're not putting on a show here. This is just them being them. Yeah. Which is a breath of fresh air at that point. You know, we weren't playing in a bigger empty arena. Right. With, with a thousand lights on us um, pretending something we were something that we weren't.
1: Right. What was um, your first tour after you recorded? What, who'd you go out with?
0: Well, we started a brief headlining club tour, and we didn't even get to finish it because we got calls to do a Striper tour in the middle of it. So we just okay. turned the bus around. Went head, we were in Miami, and they're like, all right, turn it around. You start with uh, Striper in a week in Toronto. Man. So we went from Striper to Don Dokken to Poison, to the scorpions to mm. warrant nonstop.
1: man yeah i think i saw you guys with the scorpions i think yeah. so yeah i think it was the scorpions so then uh <clears throat> the blood sweat and tears tour was a huge success f- for you guys
0: yeah that was uh that was a definitely a lo- our longest and um biggest tour
1: that was with warrant and firehouse mm-hmm. okay i'm trying to remember it'll to come a little Try. fuzzy i get it yeah. <laughs> um so how was that i mean that must have been a fun tour
0: yeah i mean that was you know i i'm asked about that tour in every single interview i do you know between that and the kiss tour but that tour in particular you know you had three bands at their peak touring you know in the summer of 91 when It was just a great fucking time being a rock band, and three bands that got along so well um and were selling out everywhere. It was just the f- best thing you could imagine if you were a person in a rock band, you dreamt of doing exactly that, yeah, with that kind of camaraderie, the crowds th- everything that was the dream
1: who who was um I'm sure Warrant was headlining that tour, I'm guessing, right?
0: Yeah, it was Firehouse, we were in the middle, and then Warrant.
1: Okay. After that album, where'd you guys go? I mean, after that tour, where'd you guys go? After that
0: tour, we went home. You know, we went home and kind of sat on our asses for about a year, (laughs) you know, (laughs) literally. You know, we did, uh, we did, Steve and I did demos in the back of the bus on that whole Warrant tour for a long time. So we came home with pretty much the record written and, and demoed. But we were searching for producers, you know, we were mm. kind of confused as to which way we wanted to go with the sound of the new record. And you know, so we were just working with different producers and searching and then we finally settled on um, Jim Barton and he just wasn't available. So we we're like, well fuck it, we'll do, we'll wait. You know, this is the guy we want. We'll wait for him
1: mm mm-hmm. This was for here, correct? Yeah, okay. right. Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, it was kind of a bad idea, I think, because, you know, we didn't really understand how fast the clock was ticking. You know, yeah. how many grains of sand were falling through the uh, sands of time for us. You know, we thought we had a little bit more time. Right. But, um, you know, everything happens for a reason.
1: So when you released here, that was, what, 92? Yeah. So that was pretty much when the tides were turning, right? Yeah And and how did the label react to that with you guys? Because i've heard some horror stories from some other guys in other bands. How, how did they react with you guys?
0: Well, I mean to be honest with you, they didn't react good when our record hit <laughs> You know, we had a number one video on mtv and we were on top of the world and we would go into the stores in the mall on a day off and our record wouldn't be in the fucking store. My oh. God, like, ah, Jesus, guys! Man. I know you haven't had a hit with a rock band in a while, but shit, put the fuck, put the record in the store. You want to sell these things, right?
1: Right, right. So right.
0: well, we 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 definitely undersold, you know, uh, due to that. But yeah, uh, and you know, when we came out with the second record, we went to radio, and we were just getting you know drips and drabs of radio ads mm-hmm. where on the last record we were getting banner weeks you know 40 ads this week 50 ads this week it was mm-hmm. like you know and we were just getting sorry guys we just changed format sorry right. guys we just changed. sorry guys you know so about we were on tour of kiss and about a week or two into the tour we were going radio every day day. I'm like all right this is bad mm-hmm. and yeah, this this is it this is the slope we are, you know, sliding towards the exit ramp here.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested. Were the Kiss guys feeling that same thing also?
0: Um, yeah, absolutely, they were.
1: Were they? So pretty, yeah. pretty much, they,
0: they were. They weren't by no means immune
1: uh-huh.
0: uh, to it at all either. I mean, hmm. anyone from that era was, you know, suffering. I mean, you know what? Yeah. And back in the day, you know what? Fuck bon jovi suffered def leppard suffered they all suffered yeah everybody suffered when that cloud of grunge came over no one was safe hmm. and it's it just it was time to uh you know put the party out for a while mm-hmm. and uh, get serious for a little bit and mm-hmm. kind of you know, change the weather
1: so did you guys leave mca or did you get dropped by them um, hold on a second. Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, we got dropped by them. Um, when was it? I guess in 93.
1: We got dropped by them. So, not long after here came out.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It was like May or June or something like that of 93. 93. So, record uh, here came out maybe in October and, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: well, well inside of a year. Later, mm. we were we were gonzo.
1: Mm. That's got to be along devastating. With, along
0: with everyone else.
1: <laughs> right. Did you have a plan of what was what you were going to do next? Or?
0: Oh, no, man. We were like, you know, we're a rock band. I mean, let's just keep going. So we toured. We went to Japan. We toured uh, America for a couple of years. I mean, a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Then we came home after the here touring cycle was over. And we're like, all right, well now what let's figure this this out yeah and you know sat around for a while until it really dawned on us that this this we're done like no one's going to take our call right now and so we have to understand that so you know we we did the, the undercovers ep ourselves just to kind of you know be productive and get the temperature out there and see if we can go on the road and stuff so we just it was fun man we got in the van and just drove all over the country and had fun and you know it was it was tough but we had so much fortune (laughs) Mm. three or four the four years before that we're like
1: yeah let's
0: let's go and tough it out man come on yeah yeah be fun blessed but uh and then after that you know we're like all right let's take her out back and put her to sleep for a while
1: you know
0: right maybe we'll revisit this one day but for now you know that Steve and I just kind of kept writing and recording started a number of bands and um then in 2002 I joined a band called Ra which I'm in now still mm-hmm. and um I did a lot of you know recording and touring with them and I, I kind of went into the active rock world and you know, kind of a new lease on life
1: yeah you kind of, kind of getting the best of both worlds there
0: yeah, I snuck in into the new metal kind of, you know, um, active rock world, um, unbeknownst to anyone, out on tour with all the biggest hard rock bands of that time. Um,
1: did, did these bands know who you were?
0: The, all, all the bands are here. Every, I mean, every band we played with. Uh-huh. I, every day I would run into somebody and be like, you got to be kidding me. You know, <laughs> They were like coming up to me. Right. Going, mm. Fucking love trickster man. Oh, you know, I mean and it was like it was cool, man, because I was like, you know, okay, here I am. You know I know the fans aren't gonna know who I am, uh, because they're all new young kids and they're listening to Hard Rock. Yeah. They don't know the tricksters. And I, I certainly don't look the way I did. Um but rest assured, every band that we played with, especially radio festivals, every one of those band members knew who I was and you know, was more than uh you know happy to you know, talking. You know, yeah. my, Where I was like, "Hey, man, I'm a fan of you."
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Sort of, that had to feel stuff. good.
0: Yeah, it was cool. It was very cool, actually. Surprising. You know, welcoming. You know, again, I wasn't worried about the crowd because I knew they were too young to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my first tour with Rye. I was on tour with you know Corey Taylor, uh, Corey Taylor, and uh, Stone Sour, and Powerman Five Thousand, and you know, Corey was a huge Trickster fan. Saw us a couple times. You know, has all our records. You know, and, it's like, yeah. and Tom Morello. I mean,
1: yeah, it's, you know, pretty cool. So, did did Raw find you, or I mean, how did that link hook up?
0: Yeah, uh, a mutual friend of mine and the singers uh, kind of put us in touch. Actually, one day uh, Sahaj called me. He's like, "Hey, you know." My friend, our friend, this guy, Keith, uh, gave me your number. You know, I'm looking for a bass player. And this was before Ra got signed. You know, and Steve and I had, had a band that was really kind of getting some momentum. Uh, and so Haas was like, well, you know, can you do some shows, some showcases? And uh, I'm like, sure, man, some of stuff. And it was great. Yeah, great stuff. It was Do You Call My Name. You know, a lot of stuff in that first record. And um, he asked if I would join the band, and I was like, "Man, I I can't commit to it right now. i you know, I got this other band that's really got some heat on it now, and I just can't leave it at this moment."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, cut to about eight months later, he calls me again. He's like, I right, well, now," and I heard their song on like K Rock. I'm like, "Oh shit! They're, they're, <laughs> that was quick. They got signed. <laughs> to Universal. They're on the radio." I'm like good for them, you know. That's great. And uh, he called me. He's like, I gotta get rid of my bass player. You have, I need you need to come out here right now. <laughs> wow. Mid tour, so I was like, all right. And we flew out. You know, two three days later, and that was 2002. Been in the band ever since.
1: Um, now during that time between Trickster and that, I mean, you were doing other things also.
0: Between Trickster and Raw?
1: Yeah, or was Raw your first like thing back?
0: Um, yeah, on the on the you know national level, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Raw was
0: my uh, my first time back on the bus and touring and um, doing the whole cycle again. Mm-hmm. You know, I was you know a good about you know I was home for you know I would say a good six seven years.
1: Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm and then when trickster reformed to do um was it new audio machine
0: yeah well we we got back together in 2008 to just play some play shows
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um and uh we didn't do new audio machine until 2012
1: Mm -hmm. so whose idea was it to get back together
0: Steve okay Steve definitely Steve definitely wanted to you know kind of get back out and, you know um, just kind of do like some festival gigs um, you know because it was there was a resurgence of it all you know rock never stops tours and everything and you know we missed out on a lot of those we just weren't really in the headspace to get back together and do it I don't think any of us believed that was there there was that much demand um, little did we know that you know, we could have just easily been placed on a package tour and it would have been a nice fit for that. And, but anyway, you know, um, Steve had become friendly with who became our booking agent. And, uh, you know, so Steve's called us all up and asked if we'd be, uh, game to go do a couple shows.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I was, you know, raw was fully functioning at that point. And, um, but, you know, we said, yeah, let's do a handful of shows and see how it feels.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it must have felt good because then you did another album after New Audio Machine. Like soon after, yeah. Human Error. Yeah, I
0: mean, really, there was no talk about doing a record when we put it back together. We were like, we know what this is. You know, we're going to go out. We're going to be first or second on a festival. We're going to play a half hour, 45 minutes. We're going to do fucking songs that they want to hear you know yeah let's, let's you know let's not kid ourselves and then four years later frontiers came and said hey take our money give us a record and we're like at that point we were comfortable enough being back together where we were like all right we can do this let's mm-hmm. do it. and then released that record and it got great reviews which was very strange because we're like <laughs> oh, great. Now, when no one's buying records, we're getting good reviews. Isn't that fucking, t- <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I'm like, oh, that's cool. And we're like, oh, good. That was great. You know, we, uh, you know, got to do a great new record. Awesome. And then uh, no talks of another one at all. Did another year or two of touring. And then uh, they called again. They're like, take more of our money. Here's another record. We're like, all right, we could probably do that again.
1: Yeah. Adam oh, did. yeah. It
0: was definitely, yeah, I think, one
1: of our best records. Yeah. It hold on a second, PJ. I'm getting pissed off here with this audio. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Can you hear me? You there? You, hold on a do Don't go anywhere if you can hear me. Can you hear me? Yep. All right. Talk one more time.
0: You
1: got it. Yeah. Damn it. There it is. Okay. Sorry about that. (laughs) It's that technology shit again, you know? Um, well, I got to say human error. I was just recently listening to that because I didn't know that was out. I knew it was out, but I couldn't find it until actually just the other day I looked on iTunes and it was, there it was, it was actually on there when I know for a fact it wasn't there. When I looked, no,
0: we took it down, you know, we took it down and we, uh, we just re-released it, uh-huh. literally, like last week.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I was listening to it, and that's some good shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <What are they? laughs> like, like, I don't, it's good. I mean, I, I gotta admit, I wasn't expecting it to be that good. Because, you know, oh, a great. lot of bands, nothing against you guys, but a lot of the bands put new albums out, and it's crap.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, the bands from back in the day. But, right. but you that it's a good album
0: thanks yeah i mean i think you know we've definitely evolved as songwriters and you know players and everything And you know we've always had the confidence to to kind of be ourselves mm-hmm. you know we weren't concerned about trying to sound like the trickster that broke the band you know uh so we weren't forcing anything and uh i don't know i just think our, our musical influences are pretty broad and um i don't know i just think i think the uh the appeal to the record both of them actually are it, it's very uh, genuine
1: yeah and you know and it all four of you guys are on those albums yeah that that's rare
0: original band yeah
1: yeah I mean, would you ever consider doing it with other people or no as trickster? Like if you had to replace a member,
0: I don't don't think so. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to say no, but you know I mean? I mean, unless a large check appeared, right. (laughs) You know? Um, yeah. I mean, for one, there's no payday in, in making records now. Yeah. So, I'd be quite honest the only way I would do it is for a nice paycheck. Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I I, would, I wouldn't want to do that, you know.
1: Yeah. What? But
0: you know, I I just don't see it happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um I got to ask you. Um I'm sure you hate this question, but I mean, how is the relationship in the Trickster guys? Cuz you know, in recent recently there's been some things popping up. Yeah. Um, yeah
0: it's it's not like it was it's uh it's a little fractured um there's you know obviously uh, a kind of a fracture in our relationship with gus Mm -hmm. um that uh was of no doing of ours. Uh, we haven't heard from him in two years. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's got a little bit of explaining to do, which, you know, and, you know, I mean, there was, a, put it this way, there was a rift between uh, the Arizona and the New Jersey, uh, chapters of trickster, you know, and yeah. p- would partially have been recovered. You know I mean? We've, mm-hmm. we've, you know, we're in, uh, contact with pete and stuff but we just haven't heard from Gus.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and it's you know it is what it is yeah uh, it, it kind of went it went why it got wild there like out of nowhere and um yeah it's a shame but you know i'm a big uh, time believer of you know communication is key sure and, you know you know three of us agree to that so far so
1: okay Alright, that's a good answer. Yeah. What what um so you've been doing stuff with Chris Jericho and Fozzie also. Mm-hmm. Um, is that just were you just filling in there or were what was going on with Fozzie?
0: Yeah, um I was just filling in and now I'm I am uh in the band.
1: Okay. Um,
0: I you know the the guy they had didn't want to do any more touring especially in the, in the under the conditions uh so rightfully so so I, you know i've been with them for you know since august and it just really clicked mm-hmm. right off the bat and i i think it was it's just a very easy transition and best for everybody involved i think
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you're doing that raw and eric martin and your own mm-hmm. stuff yes how are you juggling and, and,
0: and currently nothing
1: <laughs> currently nothing well that, that, nothing. that, that that's not you're doing though um <laughs> hopefully
0: just the calm, the calm before the storm
1: yeah yeah um all
0: dressed up and nowhere to go
1: ah don't you hate that what um eric martin i mean how did you guys decide to jam together play together
0: um i've known we've known eric for 30 years and uh four or five years ago he had a tour of japan booked that he to do do some solo stuff like his solo material and some kind of you know uh less celebrated mr big songs and stuff and more poppier type of things
1: mm-hmm.
0: so he needed a band so he called us to go over there with him and the promoters of japan found out that we were coming over there and like, oh, wow, that's great. You know, can you he, doing some trickster stuff? And Eric mm-hmm. has always been one of our biggest fans, literally. And, you know, so he was like, you bet your ass we are. So, we, you know, we, we do trickster wow. stuff. We did a song off my record. We did a song from a band that Steve and I had in between the trickster breakup that Eric was a big fan of. And we did Mr. Big and and his solo stuff.
1: Now, Steve was with he you was on that, too? 20. What's that? Was Steve with you too during that? Yes. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. So Steve and I went over there with him and uh, it was just so much fun. Then we decided, like, hey, let's keep doing this. Let's bring it the States. And, you know, obviously let's, we kind of tailored the set more towards, you know, the hits and the, you know, the uh, stuff that the U S festivals would be more inclined to hear. Um, and we've been doing that as a full band, For the better part of four years as of late you know eric and i go out a lot more acoustically Mm -hmm. and just do duos um and now with a percussionist with us okay but um um and all through the pandemic too we've been gigging so that's been fun uh but yeah i mean we're, we're, we're kind of shut down now for the next couple months
1: Hmm. how have um the crowds been at these shows during this pandemic
0: again you know doing the acoustic thing it's tailor-made for these six feet apart people sitting at tables you know um it's more awkward to go into a packed club where people are standing and wanting the rock and we're sitting on stools and yeah. playing acoustically you know so it's better to set up the dinner theaters.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but people <laughs> are it... coming out to them, though. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I was wondering how that was going with the bands that are doing that.
0: They're, and they love it. I bet. So happy that we're there. You know, I mean, give them a little taste of you know going out, a little normalcy. So what? You got to wear a mask and stay six feet apart. Yeah we'll, yeah. we'll do it. Well, people will do it. You know. Yeah. Let us fucking let us fucking do it.
1: And it's, it's getting tough again, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, which it's fine. You know, it's holidays. Nobody's going anywhere anyway. Even, in it, even pre-COVID, tours are shut down now until, you know, mm-hmm. you know, at least February, March. So this is our downtime now anyway. So I really hope that we can use this kind of uh, padding or uh, kind of dark time that we would have anyway
1: mm-hmm.
0: as a healing time and you know whoever wants a vaccine go get it right. and hopefully it'll just kind of also get under control to the point to where we can function among it and around it because we're gonna have to yeah
1: because i mean you gotta adapt the vaccine, to what's going vaccine
0: on. no vaccine vaccine half the population is going to get it there's so many for, for everyone who wants it there's five people like, fuck, I'm not putting a thing in my body.
1: Right. right.
0: You know, so get ready to everyone. You know, the savior is not here.
1: Right. The
0: helper, the helper is, you know, at least the people who are compromised, they really should get it. You know, and then if that, you know, if that happens. So if a guy like me gets it, um, I can't give it to somebody who's really at danger of, you know, suffering. Right. Those, those people are protected because, you know, I know I have plenty of people who got it and shook it off after, you know, some three days, some a week,
1: some yeah, 10 days. Same here.
0: Um, but, you know, it's, it is what it is. And I know I'm probably going to get it and uh, I'm hoping I'll just shake it off just like everyone else did. Um, right.
1: Would you get that? Would you get the vaccine?
0: Um, I don't really know. You know, to be honest, yeah. I'm not that, I'm not really not that afraid. I'm not afraid of it. Yeah um so i'll hold off as yeah. long as possible but i'm with you i mean i i'm not opposed to it right. i'm really not i mean i people are like Fuck, i'm not i'm not like anti it by any means i'm like hey i'm with you yeah take it yeah um i'm just like if it was a life and death matter for me maybe i would get it but as long as i know i won't if i got it and God forbid gave it to somebody, if I knew I was not going to kill them, you yeah. know, that makes me buy some time, you know, sure. as long as the people who really need it, get it and are protected, you know, yeah. um, so we'll see, it, you know, we'll right. see what happens, but, you know, I hope a lot of people do get it.
1: Yeah. We'll see. Like you said, we'll see. During this, uh, qu- uh quarantine, you started a band called quarantine or a little project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> with chris jericho right yep how did that all start
0: uh it started actually well it's it's uh, it's me chris Kent sletcher and joe mcginnis kent plays with luke bryan and joe mcginnis plays with a band called classic 78 and um those two guys uh, joe and kent we're gonna do a cover of the kiss song no 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 and just kind of throw it up on youtube so it starts with this big drum fill and kent videoed it and texted to jericho and said hey name this song within a second chris was like no 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 you guys need a singer and kent was like well actually yeah yeah we were just gonna do it ourselves yeah you want to sing it actually we need a bass player too he goes i got the guy and uh Uh they they had another song they were going to do which was heart of chrome from the revenge record so being that I, I i toured with kiss on the revenge record mm-hmm. chris was like instantly called me he's like check this out i'm like oh that's awesome great song choices so yeah we were kind of dedicated to the bruce kulik era of kiss
1: I love you know, bruce.
0: this is a huge 80s kiss fan that's when he discovered kiss mm-hmm. so that's that he grew up on um so we do strictly kulik era Oh, and on the flip side of that, I've been doing '70s Kiss with Charlie Benante of Anthrax, John 5, Rob Zombie, and Joe McGinnis. Wow! <laughs> so doing uh, um, like Mr. Speed songs like that. Uh huh. So I got the best of both worlds. I got both both eras of a Kiss going on.
1: Dude, you know how to uh, just keep going. The best of both worlds. I mean, you had yeah. you, you had the whole—I uh, guess you would say—the hair band errors. You had the current rock band errors, the Kiss yeah. errors. Man,
0: yeah, I—I I, you know, step up to the musician buffet and I put everything <laughs> on my
1: plate. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, that's awesome. Now, and with all this, you also have your new album, Accent of Change.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, when did you start recording that? Two years ago. Oh, okay. Um, so it, was a, it, maybe, it wasn't like something just this year that you started? No, no. Okay.
0: Um, it started, shit, I want to say, yeah, two 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 and a half years ago, maybe, I want to say. And it uh, just started with a song. I wrote a song, a full song, which I hadn't done in a couple of years because I've been, you know, Mr. Mom. Right. Uh, too busy to complete a thought let alone a song
1: oh believe me i know what you're feeling there i got three of them here
0: oh god bless
1: you (laughs) the youngest one being going to be three in december so oh wow and i'm about your age
0: all right so i I feel your pain (laughs) yeah i feel it uh but yeah it's you know it's great and look you know as well as i do if you're doing it right you don't have time to write a song
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah right
0: um so I was, I was fine with that. And then it just came. I, I got a little time and I completed a thought. I'm like, wow, cool. Let me record that. And I booked the studio, went out to Detroit before I even get to the studio I wrote another song. I'm like, Ooh, it's coming back. And then I uh, recorded two songs that waited a couple months wrote another one, went out and recorded that a couple months later, recorded a couple other ones. So it was really just kind of, If I wrote it, I went and recorded it. You know, it wasn't really planning on a record. Uh Um, So it wasn't like, all right, start my new record. It was like, I wrote a song, I want to record it. I see. And I wrote wrote another one, I want to record it. You know, and it was just like, it was kind of like that. It wasn't like, there was no goal. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It wasn't until I got to about, you know, four or five songs. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm doing a record. (laughs) And it was like, okay, here we go. And uh, I got to, I was literally, I was in Nashville, March 8th, recording when Wicked Tornado. Oh, man. Went, yeah. Went. So in the beginning of this year, I was just all over the place. I did two back-to-back cruises. I did the Jericho cruise. I did Ship Rock right after that. I did shows with Eric Martin. I went to Nashville to record. And I came home like march 15th and then boom everything shut down and mm. it was like 85 percent done with the record i'm like fuck uh. so i kind of sat for like a couple months and i'm like you know what because i recorded the record in la nashville detroit um i had like two more songs to record and uh i said screw it i'm just gonna sneak into steve's house and we'll do it there yeah so uh, i was able to finish it during lockdown
1: man does he is he live up by you yeah okay okay Mm -hmm. let me ask you this why choose different studios to record the music why not just go to the same studio or a studio nearby why why travel to a studio uh
0: because it's the people i wanted to work with really okay um i just i did the last my first record i did all you know myself at steve's house and um you know that's usually the case uh but again because i wasn't in my head doing a record Mm mm-hmm I was like, okay, these first two songs. I wanted to go out, work with my buddy Chuck Chuck Alcazian in in Detroit. He's got a beautiful studio out there, you know. And I was like, look, I want to get a good, great drum. He's got a great drum room. I said, I want to go out and you know get behind the big board. I don't want to just go into a you know a computer. I want the big drum room. And mm-hmm. so I did two songs there, and then next batch of songs, I wanted to go out and work with Sahaj from Raw. I wanted I wanted his input sonically um, on a couple songs and pick his brain. So I went out to L.A. where he was living, worked with him. Um, And same with uh, Skid Mills, who I worked with in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Again, because great drum sounds, and I wanted to get that on the record. So it was really just kind of... Just doing something else, just doing something different mm-hmm. this time around. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't want to have to play everything on the record again. Like I did everything myself the first record, just out of necessity. You know, I didn't. You know, I knew if I worked with, you know, Sahaj, I didn't have to do that. Yeah. You know, I could I could lay down the basics of the of the song and tell him, you know, finish it. You know, put the guitars on it. You you play guitar solo. Uh-huh. You know, I don't want to do it. You know, um. So i wanted to kind of free the reins a little bit
1: yeah so on your first album you played all instruments yeah drums everything mm-hmm. man what, what... i did that
0: on a couple songs on this record i played everything top to bottom but you know the majority of it i didn't have to so
1: yeah so when someone else is um like say you get another bass player to play the bass parts are you stepping back or are you still
0: say... well i played the, i played bass on everything i played bass and um a lot of the guitars
1: too. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay.
0: But um, it was like four songs I didn't play guitars on, and I was fine with that. You know, he knew he knew what what it should be, mm-hmm. and you know, I let him kind of interpret what I wanted, and uh, you know, I trust him. I've been in band with him for twenty years, mm-hmm. so it's like uh, he know you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> yeah. Finish. Yeah. Um, you know, drums, you know, I was very, I'm very particular with drums. So um, two of the songs that I uh, play drums on, because I almost broke my finger the night before I went out to <laughs> the fucking studio. So I couldn't play. Luckily, Chuck um, could play. But um, and then I played drums on two of the songs. and um, So. I, I stepped back to where I knew I could. Uh-huh. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was, you know, I was always, you know, looking through it with a magnifying glass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: um, let me ask you this. When you're recording everything yourself, is there one instrument that gives you a little more trouble than the other? Um,
0: uh, good question. I mean...
1: It's gotta it's be funny, warm. I'm, right? I'm,
0: it's like I'm a jack. I'm a jack of all trades, and master of none. So it's like <laughs> I can play drums, bass, guitar, sing, you know, percussion. But I'm, you know, I don't fucking rule any of them. Yeah, yeah. I I, I can. My songs are pretty simple, and because I write all the parts, mm-hmm. it I it leads me to believe I can play them. So, I have to play them in order to get out what I'm hearing in my head. Sure. And none of it's really brain surgery. Every once in a while, like if I come up to a solo section and I'm like, I'm not going to put my cat guitar on this solo, right? You know, Sahaj, you do a solo, or Steve, you know, do a solo here. You know, leave it to the professionals. You know, I did a bunch of solos on this record too, but, you know, a lot of them, I was just like, please give me something good here. I don't want to fuck the song up. I. Right. meow, meow, meowing up the cor- the solo here. Right. Um, so, but, I mean, yeah, everything I I write is pretty much with me playing it in mind. Mm-hmm. So... nothing really gives me more of a problem than anything, really. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not right. like, you know, guitar gives me, you know, a headache. Uh, sometimes it does, you know, especially in recording, man. Guita- recording is... definitely definitely, it's a different animal vocals vocals are very difficult man
1: It's
0: you know i mean talk about separating the men from the boys when you're singing in your car or singing live or something it's great it sounds great everything's passable when you get into the microphone and those headphones are on you hear what you're singing it's like against the track you're like
1: "Mm, that's (laughs) not what it sounded like in the car no
0: no that's not right (laughs)
1: When, uh, when did you realize that you could do the vocals i mean have you always known you could do lead vocals or did you just go for um, it or how'd that get in your mind
0: i mean i i went to probably one of the biggest vocal coaches in new york city a guy by the name of don lawrence this was back in like 90 91 92 i'd say mm-hmm. 93 um you know, I'd sang, I sang gang vocals before that, you know, and a little bit of harmonies, but, you know, I was so young and I wasn't, like, a real singer back then, you know? Yeah. And then, until I got, like, formal training um, and really started, you know, coming to terms with real harmonies and singing. And, you know, I really got heavily into the Beatles and I would sing every fucking Beatles song.
1: Uh-huh. And I,
0: that that helped me so much become a singer without even me knowing it. Cause then I started writing, I started, you know, writing melodies and lyrics, you know, whereas I would always kind of give up. Mm -hmm. I would just write riffs and stuff. And then I realized I can, I think I can sing, you Hmm. know, this melody that I hear in my head, you know, and then I just started writing songs, which made me sing more. Right. Um, you know, and then I just sang more and more and more and more.
1: Man. And it's a
0: muscle, you know?
1: Yeah, well, my muscles still aren't growing in that area there, <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> you guys sing more in the shower, man, sing in the car. Um, it really is, though. You do it every day. It builds stronger and stronger.
1: Yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's
0: confidence. It's so, I tell you, it's not about the highest note. It's about the most convincing, you know? It's. Right. It, it's confidence it's it's genuine uh tone it's uh, control you know it's not about belting it's not about depending on what kind of music you're doing but it's about a convincing believable vocal performance it's not about jumping hurdles
1: yeah yeah well hats off to you man thanks um so you released your album you did a full-length album uh-huh. um and that's out on vinyl and cd is that correct or did...
0: not on vinyl yet but not we are on in vinyl talks. okay we are in talks for it yeah
1: okay because vinyl is picking up from what i understand oh i know
0: yeah i mean we're definitely it's going to come out on vinyl mm-hmm. it just um hasn't yet
1: mm-hmm. do you think it's a, a it's very risky to release an album nowadays compared to just a song
0: It is, and it's probably a stupid thing to do. (laughs) But I'm a fossil, and I just can't understand the just release a single and, uh, you know, offer nothing for them to buy Uh other than a download. Yeah. Like, I, I I want it to be part, I want it to be from something. Yeah. I want it to have a purpose and a story behind it and supporting characters. And... um you know and i think my demographic to be honest you know i'm i'm making music for cd buyers and, and people who want records mm-hmm. although it's a, it's a, although at the end of the day i know it's just going to get put into a playlist and shuffled but there are people who put the cd in their car and listen from top to bottom yeah you know people people who know me and would buy my record are going to listen to the record you know and if i didn't do a record they'd be like where's the record mhm you know if i was if i was trying to You know, shoot with the stars, and I had, you know, half a million dollar radio campaign behind me. I would understand, all right, let's just do the single, you know. um, But I know who I'm selling to. Mm -hmm. And those people want a record.
1: Well, if the vinyl comes out, I'll I'll be one to grab it. That's why I was asking. I thought you had it on vinyl already. No, not yet. Uh, mm, Okay. Um, So, how did you hook up with uh, High Vol Music, your new label?
0: Uh, Well, Bill and i have been mutual friends for many years you know from afar didn't really know each other that well but well aware of each other met on a number of occasions um you know well aware of his history and whatnot and vice versa and at the time i was rounding the halfway point of this record i kind of decided all right i'm going to do a record Uh, let me get someone involved here and maybe pick up you know some of the cost And labor, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's like, look, we got to do it all ourselves nowadays. And you know, I'm not complaining, but I am like, we got to write the songs, we got to record the songs ourselves, we got to produce the records ourselves. We have now we have to fucking pay for it ourselves. We have to sell it out of our trunk. We got to pimp it on, and we got to do everything. Yeah, you know. And again, I'm blessed to be able to do it, but I didn't grow up like that. Right. You know, I just don't have it in me to be kind of a you know used car salesman, and you know just cloud people's social media feeds. Buy my record, buy my record, buy my record. You know, every time I post, I'm like, sorry, (laughs) you know. But it's like I put a lot of blood in this record. You know, I want people to hear it. You know, but in the same respect, I don't want to annoy the shit out of people either. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, let me get a label if nothing else to to help annoy people
1: you know right
0: right and so i don't have to be a you know a mailbox ranger and go to the post office every day with four envelopes with cds right right right.
1: (laughs) you know you see that a lot Uh, these days yeah so
0: i just didn't want to do that Mm -hmm. so i figured a little extra support and you know at that so at that point i i sent songs five songs to bill and asked him if he'd be interested because he was really kind of, you know, he had Ron Keel and Every Mother's Nightmare, and he's really starting to reinvest and revamp his yeah. label. So I saw he, you know, the fire burning over there. So I'm like, that seems like a good place to be right now.
1: Mm-hmm. hmm So the rest is history. Well, that's awesome, man. Now, one thing I didn't know, also t- till recently, was that you co-wrote some songs for the Dirt soundtrack with Nikki.
0: No, that was uh, Sahaj from Ra.
1: Oh, Sahaj did. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah he wrote and you know, um, sang all the backgrounds too. But yeah, he wrote those songs with Nikki.
1: Huh. I'd like to meet Nikki. I'm sure you've met Nikki.
0: I I met him a couple times. You know, very briefly. Mm-hmm. Growing, and, you know, so Sahaj and. Nikki are like butt buddies now. They they (laughs) they literally live like ten minutes away.
1: Sahaj is in Wyoming.
0: No, Nikki just moved there. Okay, he he was not far from Woodland Hills where Sahaj was. And I'd be like, we'd be over there. I'd be like, call Nikki. Let's go to lunch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, that's my fucking guy calling me. Fuck. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, look, yeah. Nikki just came over yesterday. Gave me this twelve thousand dollar guitar. I'm thinking about selling it. And like. They'd be sitting there texting i'm like you motherfucker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he growing up as a bass player, he was one of my one of my guys, wasn't he? Hence the warlock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I it was uh Nicky Jean, and Gene yeah. and uh I was actually into uh John Taylor from Duran Duran. Oh yeah, God Yeah. He was not excellent.
0: Enough people, not enough people talk about him.
1: I know. No. He was excellent. He listen to any of his bass lines, it's just he was Superior. awesome. Yeah um okay well um what else you got going on now besides just sitting at home
0: <laughs> uh that's about it man yeah i'm uh, you know i you know usually i got something sprinkled in you know trying to get out you know i got a, a solo show saturday in teaneck new jersey and play songs off my records and you know have some fun and then kind of close up shop until after the new year and
1: yeah um,
0: really kind of hopefully by february we'll have a, a, a grasp on everything that's tentative becoming a reality mm-hmm. um i think we're gonna have a new raw single come out shortly we released one a couple weeks ago yeah i video. was gonna
1: say didn't you just release one
0: yeah mm-hmm. um so and you know raw's on that you know, kind of new model release where it's like releasing a new song every six weeks before the record comes out in March, yeah um, so we got that going and you know we'll see we'll see what other kind of quarantine coolness I can come up with yeah
1: you, you still know, do you still doing more uh quarantine songs,
0: yeah, we'll do that we got some more in the burner mm-hmm. um yeah, I mean literally as of like this week after like this week i'll literally have i don't have to get on a plane for the next couple months that i know Uh of (laughs) and like no real studio projects in the work right now so i'll I'll kind of let the mind wander a little bit see what happens
1: yeah yeah you ready you ready for christmas yeah yeah i am good good all right, PJ. Well, listen, man, I, I appreciate you taking the time tonight to talk yeah. to me. Yeah, uh, thanks uh, for listening. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm sure you get to ask the same question, especially now. You're probably doing a lot of podcasts and stuff, aren't you? Yeah,
0: man. But, you know, it's, I mean, I hear myself say, you know, answer the same questions, but I know that, you know, I haven't told you the
1: You're answers right. yet. Yeah. So yeah.
0: I, I don't get like that. You know, here we go
1: again. Yeah,
0: yeah. And here's your here's bridge version, because an hour ago, I just answered the same question. Right. You know, you know no, I, I give cool. you all the engines.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's good and appreciated. You know, a lot of a lot of the listeners that are listening to this are going to just discover you. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so. Yeah. That's why I answer, you know, in depth and, you know, with some detail, um, you know, in hopes that someone pays attention.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no but yeah i appreciate it and it was awesome and uh yeah man will you take care out there have a great thanks, holiday too and i'll look for that album to come out on vinyl accent for i'll change. let you know all right you got my number shoot me a text if it comes out I i'll will. be the first Still to get do. it <laughs>
0: all right man have a great, great christmas and uh good luck with those kids
1: yeah, thanks man I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll send them up your way how's that okay. you can watch them for yeah, me. Take care. <laughs> there you go uh, okay, all right bye. buddy see you Bye. That's all for this week. Join us next week for another episode of the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show podcast. Available on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.